Influencers, inspiration, and Instagram, Instagram, Instagram. This is Earned by Tribe Dynamics. Here's Connor Begley. Okay, welcome everybody to Earned, uh, the podcast where we try to interview the most interesting people we can find in the lifestyle, beauty, and fashion industries. Um, in terms of structure, the way that we'll do this is the first half of the interview, we'll talk a little bit about Joe's background, and then the second half of the interview, we'll talk very specifically about marketing philosophies, the brand, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that, let me introduce uh, kind of our amazing guest today, our amazing guest named Joe. He's the co-founder of the brand Youth to the People uh, that is skyrocketing up the rankings. So a few data points on them. In 2019, their influencer community increased by 79%. Um, In the last 12 months, their EMV is plus 81% year over year. And in terms of rankings, you guys were the number 73 brand in skincare in 2018, the number 36 brand we track in 2019, and the number 14 brand we are tracking in 2020. So that's some pretty unbelievable growth because all those other brands are also trying. <laughs> so, uh, so I've known Joe for a little while, uh, but you know I'm excited to ask him all the questions that I want to ask in front of an audience so that he can't hide from them. <laughs> and then, uh, uh, but yeah, thanks so much for joining, Joe. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Connor. Excited to be here and uh, and chat. And uh, it's always good to hear those numbers. Um, still, just amazes me uh, to hear. It's just like whoa. Number 14. I mean, it's number 14 brand in all the U.S. It's really, really cool. Amazing. Amazing. Um, so, okay, so let's start way back at the beginning with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, your grandma is a big part of the brand. Um, and I can really see why. So I spent some time kind of researching her as well as you guys coming into this. And, you know, she was a mother of seven that then got divorced, sold her car, started a skincare brand while being a mother of seven, uh, and then ultimately, you know, uh, built this really successful brand at a time that, um, you know, I don't think women were as encouraged to be in the workforce necessarily. Um, so tell me a little bit about her. I'd just love to know her as a person because I feel like I know her story, but mm-hmm. um, what was she like as a person? Grandma was amazing. I mean, she, uh, yeah, all those things she went through and so much more. And uh, really, you know, she talked, Greg and I, my cousin and co-founder of the people and our whole family, um, as you mentioned, seven kids, uh, six girls, one boy. Um, and then there's 14 cousins amongst us all. Um, and she was just, she was, you know, the leader of the family. And, and she was all about family and wanted everyone to come together as, as much as possible. She was incredibly open. So if you you could bring a friend, uh, someone you just met, anyone to any family event, and she was excited to meet them and talk to them and get to know their story. Um, and I think one of the things she did as she got into, she was in beauty for a very long time. My grandma and grandfather owned um, hair salons in the 60s and 70s. Um, and as their hair salon was growing, she really got into skincare and that, uh, what she found with owning hair salons and then skincare uh, uh, and starting getting into aesthetics was it was the ability to help women uh, start their own businesses and be, um, you know, join the workforce, but on their own and own their own business and, and tell their story and, and set their own path. Um, and that was what really inspired her uh, every day. And her company name, um, it's called Eva's Aesthetics. Originally, one of the original names was Images of Success because that, that was really like the drive behind her. And so uh, it's, it's officially started in 79. 
Um, so it's been, been around a long time. It's run by my two aunts, Lori and Lisa now, uh, but our whole family is somehow in beauty one way or another and all because of her. And, and also just, we all are, are really excited to just learn from other people and, um, and be a part of the bigger community out there. What's interesting about that is for you, you actually went because so for college, you studied city planning, which is right. a little bit not necessarily the, the immediate path to beauty. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. Was that a little bit of trying to kind of rebel against the family business? You, or? you know, we, there was never like in our family, there was never this. Oh, everyone's going to get into beauty. And, 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 and uh, we all were going on different paths. Um, and I, I was in school and. You know, it's funny, I was in school for it was public administration, city planning. I had this, uh, I actually started out in engineering and civil engineering in college. So I did that for two years and then I changed over to public administration. Um, I went from wanting to like build buildings to organizing those buildings to, I actually wanted to work for the fire department. And like I had an internship with the San Diego fire department in college and had a, you know, was gonna, that was gonna be my path. Um, <clears throat> but got out of school and had some ideas that, you know, just changed my mind and wanted to go a different way. Uh, which I think a lot of people, they get their degree in here and then they go another direction. Um, and, and that was what was great. My grandma supported every step, no matter which thing I said, which way. And same with my parents. So I'm going to do this now. I'm going to do that. Okay, let's do it. Let's figure out how to do it. Uh, I was very fortunate uh, to, to have that ability and have that support system. Um, and yeah, but I will say in college, one of the things I knew I was into beauty was moved into my dorms my freshman year. And I by far had the largest skincare routine of anyone in the dorm. Um, and so that was something where I was like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm definitely more into skincare than like average person. But I knew that I remember the first, I remember when I first broke out when I was you know, 13 or 14 years old and my grandma, like, okay, let's go. Got me in the chair, did a facial, put me through the routine of here's what I'm going to do. Um, and I'd had facials before just um, anytime I was homesick from school or uh, or just there's a holiday we would get, well, a lot of times we get dropped off at the family office. Um, and they were teaching classes to estheticians and sometimes they just needed extra bodies to, to practice doing facials on for, for the estheticians. So we would go in and get facials. And, and at the time I didn't really know I was getting a facial and they were delicate on me cause I didn't really need any extractions or anything advanced going on. Um, it was more just the, the, the practical work for, for these, uh, estheticians. So, you know, it was just always been there. And, and as I, grew up and got out of college, I realized, okay, I've got, I'm definitely into this. And, and that's what, after college, um, worked in some other industries in sales, uh, but started to go to more of the aesthetic shows and spa shows and, and work within the family business more and more. And that's when I knew, I was like, okay, it took me a couple of years, but I knew this is where I want to go. And this is what I want to be a part of because it's just an amazing industry. You learn so much. It's, it's a ton of fun. You just, everyone there, um, especially at these big spa shows, they're just, it's a ton of estheticians and cosmetologists. They all have their own small businesses. They have really cool stories. Um, some may be a one room, tiny spa. The others may be 50 rooms in a spa. And they, they, they both have really cool stories and it was just so fun to learn from them and be a part of it. For sure. I wish going back to your college days, I wish I had kind of been given similar guidance when it came to skin. I like, I struggled with not horrific acne, but <clears throat> decently bad for growing up. And it is kind of wild. I mean, I don't know that necessarily like what you would have done differently, but it was like, I was taking antibiotics, like super intense antibiotics for a long uh, time. Yeah. It's just like the way that they treat it is so, it feels archaic, mm -hmm. but again, I don't know enough about it. It's, it's such a, I feel like acne in general, is such like a mysterious thing. 
I, yeah. I had no skincare guidance going through college for sure uh, or high school. Yeah, it's uh, well, I think that's still I think it's getting better. But yeah, there's a lot of sort of preconceived ways of here's how to treat it for kids, for teenagers and, and you know, those in college years. And a lot of times it's just as simple as getting a good face wash, um, a non-communogenic, you know, moisturizer, sunscreen, and just most of the time. And then on top of that, removing dairy from your diet. Dairy is like the number one key trigger for acne. Uh, There's um, other forms of acne that come out, but a lot of times the the goal, the trigger of acne is dairy products. So if you cut out dairy uh, and then from there, if you cut out refined sugars and drink enough water, a lot of your skin will clear up pretty quickly, especially for kids. Cause that's usually the biggest piece to it. And if they do that and, and a lot of kids it's, and it was for me too, it was a couple months skincare, you know, took care of my skin after that. It, cl- it cleared up the acne completely, but then I could, I got back to like dairy and stuff. So it, it's not forever. Some people, it does become a forever if they have more, um, you know, cystic, uh, kind of acne within their skin, but a lot for most of the population, it's just remove dairy for a couple months and it goes away. Probably should have tested that at some point. <laughs> um, you know, let's just use intense antibiotics instead. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, and I think we're learning more now around gut health and how the gut health and the microbiome are, are, are connected. So while well, it's your internal gut health, and, and that's why you hear about probiotics becoming so popular, but your internal gut health will drive your skin's health. And if you can uh, maintain that, that microbiome and that, that, that amazing colony of bacteria on your skin's surface to help protect you from everything else, it will do, it will do a great job. Which, oddly enough, I feel like is very connected to some of the theories you have around kind of taking what you eat and making sure that what you put on your skin is kind of of the same quality. Um, so wait, so just taking a step back, because I want to continue to progress through your career. So, you know, after school, you went and did um, some sales roles. And I know mm-hmm. in the conversations we've had in the past that, um, you know, you feel like you've learned some uh, learned some things from those roles, even though they weren't necessarily within the fields that you're in now. Um, talk to me about that a little bit. Yeah, so I did actually worked worked at a golf course for about a year and a half after school, uh, and then from there I got my first sales job, and it was outside sales for a, a tile company, a, a flooring manufacturer. Um, it was uh, I, I live in Northern California, so it was uh, I covered the Northern California territory. You know what was great about that is I was twenty twenty three. Um, I had this big territory. I, I kind of worked out of my car. I drove around. I had a main office, uh, actually, fortunately, pretty close to my house. I would go there in the morning, and then I would be out on the road all day going to different our different accounts across. And sometimes I would go on the road for a couple of days, and it was sort of like my own little mini business. This was my territory. I had my sort of numbers and my goals and targets that I received from the corporate office, and I would go out and just be able to do it. And there wasn't a ton of, um, you have to do it this way or that way. It was There was the basic guidance, and then, hey, go do it. And uh so I was able to learn early on how, uh, or just see early on that I wanted to, I knew I had this entrepreneurial spirit that our entire family has. And I, and, and I was able to sort of, in a very gentle sort of dip your toe in the water, so to speak, tr- test that out. And I, and I just loved it. I love being out there. I love the independence of it. Um, fortunately, I did very well at it. And uh, I learned a ton in that very short period of time. Uh, it was about a year and a half at this company. And then my next role was also in sales and it was a company that actually recycled styrofoam. So they took expanded styrofoam, those big things, TVs in and everything else. And they had a process they could shrink it down and recycle it back into a hard plastic bead, which is how those uh, styrofoam starts. It's called polystyrene. 
and then they would extrude interior moldings out of it. So baseboards and door casings and crown moldings, um, and it was this hard plastic. So that, I was always very into recycling, but that really got me into sustainability and understanding that this sort of trash that no one ever thinks they can recycle could actually be recycled and reused and in a very efficient way. Um, and that sort of got my, and this was a while back. This was, I was 24, 25, so this was 15 plus years ago. And so this was really, for me, I was like, okay, there is a lot better ways, things we can do for the planet to, to help out. And through innovation within business, we can actually help make some changes within the world. And that really got me going. And I learned a ton about recycling because the, for that product, and one of the things I learned in sales was you have to really know your product. You have to know what you're doing and really be able to talk about it and be passionate about it and care about it. And I, I was, cause I thought this was making a, a big difference. Um, so I did that for uh, a couple years and then the housing crisis hit. And at the, at the same time for the last year, I'd already been talking with, uh, with the family company to move to them. So just all made sense to make the move and, and get go fully into beauty and not just enjoy the trade shows. It's interesting that that experience probably had a pretty big impact on the way that you ended up building out youth to the people. Um, you know, you just got visibility into like, wow, there's like a lot of waste out there yeah. that we are creating. Exactly. And, uh, but in like a totally different industry, right? Um, yeah, that's, I mean, that had to, was that one of the things that contributed to the kind of glass bottle idea and to some of the other stuff that you guys do from a sustainability perspective? Yeah, absolutely. Once we, as we started to do the people, we were at Eva Stuck, so we started to do the people that we knew we could, we wanted to be as sustainable as possible out of the gate. And then knowing, being able to work at a, a couple manufacturing companies in those prior jobs, understanding how factories work and what the goal is of these things and even how to make a bottom line make sense. Um it helps us to know, okay, here's the steps we think we should take to be as sustainable as possible now. And then as we grow and we have more, more abilities and technology evolves, we'll be able to continue to improve. And I think with sustainability, there's, there's no perfect answer. There's no, here's how every company should do it to be the most sustainable company possible because there's so many variables. There are so many different, um, you know, outside forces that go into you making your product. And so, as long as you don't, I think as long as all companies, if they don't settle and they have this mission to be more sustainable every year and learn and grow, um, that's what will really make the change. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about kind of, so, you know, you went from, like you were mentioned, you went from kind of those jobs into working with the family business. Mm -hmm. um, I think I'm curious about two things, right? So the first thing is, um, you know, what's it like to work with family? I think this is something you've done for a long time, <laughs> right? And obviously everybody knows the, you know, the, uh, the rumors in terms of some of the challenges, but would love to hear about that. Yeah. And also hear about, I mean, that was, you spent a good chunk of time there and I, I have to imagine that that really prepared you guys to, um, launch a brand mm -hmm. and accelerate as quickly as you did versus, a lot of people just, you know, start a brand without any real foundation. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to hear about both of those things. One, how did it contribute to the foundation of, you know, launching this company and accelerating really quickly? And second, just purely what's it like to work with your family? How does that, how does that work? It's, it's, I mean, it's, I would say, yeah, you hear it all, but it's a ton of fun. Um, I think working with our family company um, and Lori and Lisa, my two aunts. So Lori and Lisa are my two aunts. Lisa is Greg's mom. 
Um, Greg and I are both only children of the 14 cousins out there. So we, and we're, we're eight months apart in age. So we grew up together and we live near each other. So we grew up together like brothers. And so we have this just inherent bond, uh, and we know each other so well. Um, and we both sort of took different paths to getting to work at the family's company at Eva's Aesthetics. Um, which I think really has made such a difference as I look back. I think we both sat there and we were like, let's go work at Diva's Aesthetics and do this. Those conversations happened, but we also went through our different paths. I mean, he was a, a, he was a minor league baseball player with the Mets. Uh, he was a, he's also a producer. So he had a, a completely different path than me. Um, and, and so we ended up here and it was really like, it was just a ton of fun and we just wanted to learn. And that was this opportunity to learn from a very small family business um, when we started at Eva's Aesthetics, there was 12 employees. Um, so we were able to get in right away and just learn from them, learn from Lori and Lisa, learn from our grandmother who, uh, who was alive at the time still and, and learn from her and learn from uh, some of the other amazing people that are there that have been there a long time. Uh, I mean, they have a couple of employees that are over 20 years with them. So it's, it's, it's a tight knit group and um, just learn the different steps and get to work in every department, work in the warehouse, work, you know, pack stuff, work in the filling room to fill products, work in, sales, working, looking the finance, working education, teach, you know, be a part of the classes. Um, my aunt's known as the wax queen, our aunt Lori, she's a big time educator in the aesthetics world because we have a skincare and a wax line. And so going to all these shows and helping her set up and watching her teach to classes of 50 to a thousand people at a time and, and learning those steps. And, um, you, you just, the things you pick up, there's just no, there's no schooling. There's no experience like that. Um, and, but when you're working with family, there's also the, there, the, there's the, yeah, you, you know, each other's buttons and you know, each other, like how to rile each other up and you know what they're thinking. Even if they're like, you're disagreeing on something, you know why they're disagreeing with you on it, but you still want to argue about it. Um, but I think what's been so great is we've always had this understanding that it doesn't matter what we say or do or where, how, you know, how upset we are, like. We all love each other and we all support each other. And we also know that we always have known that we're all doing the best we can for the business. There's no ulterior motives. Um, and I think as long as you have that trust, you can work with family forever and have a great time because who, who else, you know, who else do you want to have behind you that you've trusted for your whole life? So it, it's, it's great there. And then now that youth, the people has taken off and we started youth, the people in the back of Eva's aesthetics. Um, so Lori and Lisa are very much our, there are, there are silent business partners, but they're a huge part of youth, the people. Um, and they, uh, they were there from day one and they're still there when we talked with them a lot. Um, and, and having that, and it was Greg and I, we just, we just have a ton of fun working together. I mean, we're, you know, we traveled around the world now for, for 10 plus years together. Prior to that, we were, you know, he was the best man of my wedding. I was the best man of his wedding. Like we just, we've always been very, very close. So it's now we just are building a business together. Um, and we've been able to build a, a, a big business now. And that's been so exciting because, some of these things we learned in our family business we're able to bring into this company and hopefully it feels a little bit like family too. I feel really bad. I feel like every time I see you guys and all the research, it's always you guys together. Uh -huh. I feel like I've broken you two up for this <laughs> interview. Um, I was thinking about it, you know, as I was doing the prep, I was like, I really should have brought Greg in on this one. Yeah. So, uh, tell my apologies. You also, one with Greg, I had no idea he was a minor player. league baseball player. Oh, That's yeah. super cool. Yeah, yeah, he played. Uh, he went to Chico State and was drafted by the Mets. And uh, uh, ultimately, injuries derailed his career. Otherwise, he would may still. Be what what position was he? Was he an infielder? Uh, center field. Okay, cool. So yeah. he's fast. Though. Yeah, very fast. 
You got the speed and the athletic genes in the family. Reverse <laughs> yeah, I did not. A little bit of the athletic genes, but certainly not the speed genes. That was not, yeah. <laughs> not my forte. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's good. It's so good for us. Talk- we, we've actually laughed, and you know, because we do do so many things together, even interviews and video shoots, and even the videos we do for the brand, we're always next to each other. And we're like, we could do videos and not be in the same room, but then you know they chop it all together because it actually gets really hard to shoot a video with two people like close to each other, and uh, it's just been so. It's yeah, it's, it's it's good to split it up. Maybe you do one with Greg and then see how it compares. <laughs> well, we'll definitely have to get him or you two both. Uh, back on yeah. at some point because I've got a lot of questions for him too. I mean, oh, yeah. the music to baseball to you know skincare is again not a not a common path for no, sure. No, no, definitely not. So uh, talking about speed, natural transition. Um, you guys again have grown super quickly. Um, you know, and I think most people don't have. I think there's two. One, most people don't have that experience in their lives to be at a company that grows that fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and then second, you know, the people that do have that opportunity, um, like we've, you know, gone through periods like that as well, years like that. And, um, you know, it's tough. It's super hard. So I'd love to hear about your guys' journey. Just kind of how have you navigated going from, you know, brand number 74 to brand number 14 mm-hmm. in the last, you know, X number of years and what is a very big and, you know, skincare has been around for a couple of years, so you're not, it's not something new. Right. Um, so yeah. So how, how has that been? What have been some of the challenges, learnings? Um, that'd be super helpful. Yeah. You know, t- tons of challenges, tons of learnings. Um, we, so we launched the company just over five years ago, uh, and very, very soft, small, like there was no investment or big budget. It was just kind of bootstrapped out of the, like I said, the back of our family's business. So the first two years we were just building, building, um, but we launched it really and grew it through social media, specifically Instagram. Um, we actually had a very small marketing firm we worked with, uh, that was in LA that helped seed some products to influencers in the beginning and, and, uh, and that helped it. And it, but, and you know, the numbers were small, but they were getting there and that got us a little bit of awareness. Um, Sephora found us, they actually reached out to us, um, uh, four years ago now. And we had like 6,000 followers. Um, and we knew we wanted to get to Sephora. That was like our end, our dream goal. But we thought it would take 10 years to build and build and build and get there. Um, so they reached out, we were stoked and, and it's just been so, such a great partnership and they really helped. They're a big part of like our initial and still are to our mass, our growth and, and the speed of the growth. Um, and, it, but I think the other side and like specifically to the EMV rankings you've seen and that growth, we've built an amazing team. We've hired, we have 57 people now. Um, and a lot of that hiring has come in the last two years. And so just taking it and have, building a team of, you know, building a team of people that are, that are just, just better than us in all these different fields and, and, and helping us build this. And as we all sit in the room together and work on these strategies, um, just being able to activate it and, and do it and do it and execute it in such a great way. Um, it's really just helped us jump up. And then there, we've kind of seen as we've grown with people, we've been able to continue to grow the not only the sales, but the, the rankings within EMV. Um, we've been able to grow within Sephora. We have more space within Sephora now. We have more products. We launched the three products. Uh, we were up to 11 products. Um, so everything's just sort of grown at the same pace, uh, which has been inc- really, really fast. But um, it's all sort of tied together. And 
we are just continuing to focus on that. And, and influencers, is, like I said, we were with no budget in the early on, we were seeding people and we continue to do that. And, and we've been able to build long-term relationships from doing it that way. In terms of, so going back to Sephora specifically and, and thinking a little bit about investment as well, you know, when did you end up taking on some of the investors, right? So you guys have done a few rounds of investment. Correct. When when did those occur? Was that pre-Sephora, post-Sephora? You know, um, how did that work? It was uh, it was post-Sephora. Um, we were in Sephora. Things were going really well out of the gate. Uh, and we got about six months in and we were growing pretty quick. And that's when a lot of investors started reaching out. That's also when we started to see, like, we're running out of money. Um, because as you, when you're growing as quickly as we were, and it was the most challenging time that we ever faced in the business of all the challenges we faced, it was definitely the most challenging time because you're sitting there, we're growing really quickly, but we can't, we're literally not making enough money to buy enough more, inven more inventory just to keep up with the demand. So did you're we going to grow yourself to death, grow ourselves to death. Exactly. And it was, it was stressful and it was tight and, um, Investors were reaching out, and we 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 really talked talked with a lot of them, um, talked with our family a lot, talked with friends that we knew, and just decided this was the best move to take on investment. As much as we wanted to stay just truly just the, the four of us owning it as a family, we knew we had an opportunity, and we we had this global international vision for the brand, and and we wanted to build another company that lasted thirty plus years, just like our family's business, which is still going. Um, and so we decided let's go for it. When else are we going to have an opportunity? And uh, brought on our investors. Uh, we did our series A with uh, Strand Equity, which is in LA. Um, and what we loved about them is they were not the traditional, they didn't have such a traditional background. It's a smaller family office. Um, they really understood us and we had great conversations and they didn't come in and said, okay, here's the beauty playbook. Here's what you're going to do. They understood we had this history within beauty and we knew how to make product and skincare and they were really there just to support and guide us and say as you grow here's some of the things you're going to run into and here's how we can get through it together um and now that, that so that was a huge and that was uh that was about a year we were about a year and Sephora before we closed that so we got it was it was it got pretty tight uh but, <laughs> a harrowing year yes it was <laughs> you know and, and uh but so many learnings and you know we were we're filling stuff in the back of our family's office and shipping the orders and then, you know, running back to go buy more product. It was, it was wild. Um, but I wouldn't, wouldn't change it for, for anything. And, uh, yeah. And then we actually, so I had my first daughter in November of 2017 and then we closed our series A in December. So it was like, it was, a, it was quite the wild six months for me. That is, uh, that's packed. That's a, <laughs> a lot in a short period of time. Um, what's interesting about kind of hyper growth on the software side is it's kind of different, right? Because I sell a new license to software. It doesn't really cost me anything. Mm -hmm. Now, what happens is like, say that we double our customer base um, in a very short period of time is you need people to like support those customers now. Mm -hmm. So you start to run into issues like, the, you know, really fast growth is often, it creates like a people problem, not necessarily a cash problem, right. which is interesting, right? Um, and, you know, that's not the case for all, right? So if you're, you know, Facebook and you're a consumer app and you blow up, it's usually like server costs and cash that you do need. Mm -hmm. But on the B2B side, it's just different. So for us, it's always a tough, like we 
when we first, we really blew up kind of in 2015, I think. And then we were doubling every year, doubling, 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 doubling. Um, But that first year, you're like, okay, well, we're growing really fast. Okay, we need to staff up. And then you staff up, ooh, I staffed up by 15% too much. Like, that's not good. So now we've got to catch up from a revenue perspective to like make that up. And so that is the hard, that's the thing that's hard, I think, Mm -hmm. about software, at least that was hard for us specifically. Um, you know, obviously forecasting on, on your side is tough too. I mean, I don't, what is your, this is totally off base, but what's your, what's your like turnaround time from when you say, okay, I think we're going to need X amount, you know, how long does it take to get that produced, uh, for an existing product line? Right. Uh, for existing, well, so it's gotten slower as we've gotten bigger. And that's been one of the hardest challenges. One of the artists, first we had no money. Now we have enough money to buy more inventory somewhat. And we, but then we're we're buying so much more of it. And so we have to plan further out. So, you know, if everything moves perfectly, it's about three months. Um, we're trying to get to like six months out of placing the order for all the componentry. So the glass bottles, the, the pump or the cap, the, the paper that is printed at the boxes, all these things, the boxes, the printed, all the raw materials being ordered to the lab um, and then everything being made and put together. So, um, but we've, we've, still are able to turn some stuff around pretty quickly if we need to, if, if we have to, uh, like depending on supply. Um, again, before when our numbers were smaller and we started the company using what's considered stock packaging. So nothing that is custom made specifically for us. And that allowed us to, with a very low budget to start the company, um, which I think is a learning for anyone out there. If you have an idea or product company, you don't need to do completely custom packaging out of the gate. You can always get there, but like, don't put all so much money into packaging that you can't afford to actually market and get the product out there. So we bought stock packaging. Our initial run of, of our, our cleanser was like a thousand units. It was very small. Um, you know, so that we were always turning around super quick, but now it's, it's much larger amounts. So it takes a lot longer. So it's, it's between three and we're trying to get to, it's about three months, but we try to give it six months to really, uh, plan properly. So talking about that cleanser, I mean, that seems to clearly be kind of the hero product for the brand. Uh-huh. You know, what, and I think that's an issue, not an issue, but just a topic that doesn't get talked about enough is just, you know, how much of a brand success is based on a fairly small number of products often. Um, so for you guys, like how big, you don't have to give me the exact numbers, but general proportion, like how much is the superfood cleanser, you know, as a percentage of the company? Mm-hmm. Um, and then how do you think about kind of managing that? Um, cause again, you know, it's, uh, not only is it a big percentage of the revenue, but it's also how a lot of people get introduced to the company as well. I would have to imagine. Yeah. So talk to me about just kind of that concept a little bit. Yeah. It's, uh, and you know, the cleanser was the first product idea we had. I mean, that's, so also that, that in alone is <laughs> like, whoa, we still like, we're like, whoa, um, and we actually started, you know, for the people, and this is just a, a, a bit more to the family company, we actually started with, we wanted to build a retail company using some of the great retail products that we had in our family's professional line. But one of the things that ultimately drove us to launch these to the people was the story with our family line. It's so, uh, it's, there's such a heritage. It's so spa driven. Everything is very customized. There's, you know, 75 different products. It just, we couldn't pick a few and really tell the story right in a retail setting. Um, you really needed to go to like, you need to go to your esthetician, you get your facial and sort of get prescribed the products within the routine. So as we were sitting there like, okay, well, we got to start. And we really believe this in our family. Too. Every good 
Every good skincare routine starts with a cleanser. You have to have a really good cleanser because all the other stuff is just not as effective if you're not properly cleaning the skin, pH balancing it, and getting it ready for all the other things you're going to put on top of it. Um, and then we were sitting there, this was seven, eight, year, eight years ago, and Larry were like, cold press juices was hot. We were drinking our kale juice every day, and we're like, we got to do a kale cleanser. This, this is it. This is, this is the company. This is the line. Um, and we had a bigger brand, uh, plan for the company and, and the use of people and where we wanted to go as like a company, what we, what we spoke about, but the kale cleanser, as we called it then, um, our superfood cleanser really was that first product we built. And it took, it took a while. Um, and now and it's been our most successful product and we took a couple of risks on it. We made it eight ounces, which normally face washes are between four and six ounces. Um, but because of the stock packaging, it was either a four ounce glass bottle or an eight ounce glass bottle. And we knew we didn't want to have this little four ounce bottle and it just looks smaller in glass because there's no extra packaging there. It's clear glass. We were like, let's go with eight. It'll look better. If it ever ends up on a shelf, it's going to look a lot better. Um, mm -hmm. and, 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 and people build routines that way, right? Exactly. If it's too small, it doesn't become part of your regimen. <laughs> But if it gets a little bigger, right, it's much more likely to stick and kind of cause repurchase as well. Exactly. You're going to use three to four months, um, morning and night, and it's really going to – and that's what we're and, – and on all skincare products, you need to use them for a period of time before they can really do what they're formulated to do. None of the ingredients in anything out there is instantaneous. It takes time. Um, and, yeah, and so we, we're – it's just been our, our, our hero and our, and our, you know, baby ever since, and uh, – it, but as we've grown and launched new products, yeah, we do have that bar that's been set. Uh, we've had a lot of other successes too within our line, and our line is still pretty tight um, for the skincare world. So the cleanser, it ranges, but it's anywhere, um, you know, averages around 20% of our total business. Um, so we still have a lot of uh, room out there with our other products. And as we launch new products, it slowly gets more and more, you know, even. But the cleanser is definitely the hero, and we hope to keep it that way. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a great product. I actually don't know if I've used it. I don't know if you've ever sent me a free one. Sure, so, sure. Uh, I guess many. I'll have to go. <laughs> I'll have to go out and buy one. Um, but let's. So let's talk a little bit about some kind of marketing philosophies. Uh huh. So one of the things that we were talking about last time when we caught up over a Zoom beer was uh, kind of how things have changed post COVID. Uh -huh. So just how you know. Um, and how that's caused you to try new things as well as question maybe some of the investments that you were making before, some of these big dollar investments. Um, so what have been some of those things that you're like, you're now questioning, like maybe this isn't something that we want to do mm -hmm. um, or that we may not do in the future. And then also what have been some of the things that you guys have done? You're like, wow, I can't believe we weren't doing this before. Yeah, I think as we took everything as, as every business did as COVID hit and we took everything in and, and figured it out and, you know, the first step was, hey, what's going to happen? And and as our business stayed pretty consistent, um, we, we were built online. So we weren't, um, while we had a huge amount of business within the Sephora stores that we lost, we sold our core online business. Um, and, and and the other part came we came back pretty quickly and shifted to online. Um, but we were able to take a step back because we had so many events planned, so many in-person things we were going to do. And all those, you know, okay, those are shut down for the year. What are we going to do now? And that change in strategy and that change in budget really has helped us to completely focus on our, on our, on our web business and on our marketing and on our, on our influencers and how we, how we activate and how we work with creators. Um, it's just really ch changed our, our focus um, to be completely digital because we are struggling as this digital brand, but also trying to live in this physical space 
with the thousand plus of forest stores we're in globally, um, also we look at that as like we're gonna, we have a thousand little micro stores across the world. How do we service that and focus on that? Because that's a that's the first time you're meeting for a lot of people meeting the brand. If you're meeting the brand in this way, how does how do you focus on that? And then once that sort of was not a, a, a thing to think about, we didn't we weren't worried about the physical as much, and we just focused on the digital experience. So we focused more on our website. We focused even more on our editorial. We focused even more in these areas to make sure they were giving our community every piece of information they would need, knowing there's probably not going to be uh, a contact point with the people person out in the, in the world for a while. Um, and that's, and it's really just, it's increased our, our business dramatically and improved our business very rapidly. Um, and what's been so amazing is our team is just, they shifted so quickly. We went from every, you know, we have most of the people in the office and we have a remote field team. Everyone's now remote. Everyone pivoted in like a couple of days of once we shut it down to working on Zoom and or or whatever else and working remotely and becoming very organized and shifting the focus too. We had this calendar and you know we had this plan for the rest of the year. And now okay, well we got to change these things. These aren't happening. What do we do? And, and everyone you know everyone worked on it together really hard and we all jumped in and and have just it's it's been great. And because of that, we haven't you know we've been able to keep our entire staff. Uh, employed, we haven't had to do any furloughs or anything like that, and and for uh, for Greg and I and, and the whole company, that's just been that's been hugely important because we it's a family and, and we have so much we've built so much um, camaraderie amongst the group, and we're still all so new of working together that it really does take time. And, and you, as you mentioned earlier, you hire rapidly. It takes you do all this hiring. It doesn't mean okay now we have all these positions filled. We're all gonna everything's great. Like you still have to work together and get to know each other and. And build that that company uh, culture together. Um, so we we really had time to do that in the last couple of years, and we didn't want to lose that. It was just it was just too I mean, important. I think it takes six to twelve months for somebody to really get kind of ramped mm-hmm. up and contributing, both for the you know you got the communication dynamics, you've got you have to familiarize yourself with the brand, with what's worked in the past, what hasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, it just takes a while. So I think people really underestimate the long-term impacts of losing someone or laying people off. It's, you know, people can make it a financial, like, you know, they put it in a spreadsheet and they say, oh, you know, the spreadsheet says, right. It's like, well, there are dynamics that aren't being factored into the spreadsheet. Let's be honest. And so, um, yeah, going back to the kind of online offline, you know, when you think about your online sales, you know, across Sephora.com and your.com, do you have like a proportion that you're targeting? Like, has that become an objective internally to get, say, you know, 30% or 50% or whatever number it is? Right. Um, is that something you guys have decided to make an internal target? The, yeah, yeah. you know, it's 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 gone. It, it was a big target in the beginning um, to like keep this balance, have this balance. Um, you know, and, and as we did close our Series B, actually, with uh, Sandbridge, uh, which is another fund in L.A., and then uh, Chris uh, James, who's the founder of Hourglass, um, and just all of us sitting in the room, we realized we were growing so quickly with Sephora. Let's not try to get in this, um, how do we keep our website at some proportion, some perceived, like, percentage that we think makes sense. Uh, and so it's been really great. Uh, and that's been the big, another big thing we've learned from our investors is... You know, there, there's so many things to work on and focus on. Like, just focus on the great products you make. The sales are there. Um, you know, keep growing and build the team. 
um, you know, learn from the team. Um, so we, we at times have been like, let's get to this percentage and that, but then we've had such rapid growth as, you know, you see, you see it in the AMV. Um, we don't want to hold one thing back because the other, the percentage doesn't, because the spreadsheet doesn't look well. You know, the spreadsheet totally. looks, doesn't look good. That's okay. It's, it's, it's working well. But fortunately, we've had a pretty good balance and I feel like we feel really good with our balance right now. Well, I mean, the spreadsheet in terms of revenue looks good. So that's kind of the most important. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> Absolutely, it is. Um, so you talked about social earlier um, and you've said, you know, that was a big contributor to your success. Absolutely. And you worked with an agency, but now I'd imagine a lot of it's in-house. Um, can you talk about just the different components there? Like what, what's what been your philosophy in terms of approaching it? And I know obviously you're not doing a lot of the day-to-day there, but well, some I would assume. Um, but tell me about kind of what your social strategy has been, like what worked, what didn't work, um, both on the influencer side, on the owned media social side. Would love to hear about that. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's funny. Greg's definitely uh, much more well-versed in social. Uh, yeah, he also yeah, has yeah, two, yeah. he has two famous cats on Instagram too. Just, I didn't know side, that. So another side note about Greg, fun fact. This is another reason we should have brought Greg. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, you know, for us, it's, it'd be, yeah, we had the agency in the beginning just to help us out, just to like do it. Uh, and with, with yep. Greg running that, but you know, our, our plan with social has always been to show the products, uh, be real, be authentic to what we want to do as we've grown, get our voice out there. We're, we're used to the people. We're not kale skincare. Um, so, yep. so what does youth to the people mean and, and talk about that and, and, and our, uh, the mentality that we bring not only to, to, to skincare, but to, to wellness, to, um, to people, to, uh, uh, to social justice, to, to, to everything across the board that we look at as a company, um, sustainability. Um, and so making sure we're using the platform as it's growing to, to, to share our voice. Um, and, and I think as long as we continue to do that and, 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 within our storytelling, tell those stories that we care about. And, and even within a, now that we have a, an editorial that's been rolling for, um, just about it, uh, just past a year now, um, it's skincare, but it's, it's also highlighting amazing people out there in the world that are doing really cool, good things, uh, and that are, that are striving to make a difference. Um, and that's what we've, that's the philosophy we've taken in our social. And, and then with that, just, it's kind of, it's the same as our products. We use mostly clear glass, unless it needs some sort of a color UV protection. Uh, we, we list our ingredients, our, our hero ingredients very boldly, and we want to be transparent about everything we do. Um, so transparent products and transparent on our social, Hey, here's, here's our products. Here's what we're doing. Here's, here's the different models that we are working with. Um, and, and here's, here's what we believe in. And then we, you know, it's, it's, it's all, it's all right on there. You mentioned your, you know, you're used to the people, not kale cleanser, right? That, that idea of. Has that been challenging to kind of keep that separated, right? Because again, I think what's happened over time is brands have become more and more identified by their products Mm -hmm. rather than by their brand, right? Because, you know, as a consumer, brand used to be really important because I couldn't go into a Macy's and search for the reviews on this product versus this product versus this product. So I knew that Lancome was like a really good brand and that most of the time when I bought from Lancome, the products are really good Mm -hmm. versus now I'm going to pick out my favorite product in each category, even if it comes from 11 different brands. Right. Right. So how do you, um, how do you navigate that? Do you guys think about that at all in terms of kind of hero product versus brand marketing? Yes. Absolutely. Because it's, it's, it is, it's such a challenge. And, and especially in the early on, you can grow 
pretty quickly if you just focus on a hero product or two and, and not um and we did that at times and we got away even from our family story a little not that we were hiding it we just didn't we're not a brand that puts greg and i or our family's photos in the feed every couple of months that's not that's not what we do it's about the brand it's about the people um it's used to the people uh, but still knowing like how do you balance that and we st- we're constantly trying to figure out what's the balance um you know we're also not a, we're not a news organization so you know people want to come and, and, and learn about our products and see our products that's that's part of the reason they follow us that's part of the reason our community is you know that's the reason our community is what it is is from our skincare but our community has also grown and, and the, the voices within our community have, have, have we've, that we listen to, which is across the board because of the, the stances we take or the, the feelings we have or the brand we've built. Um, so it's, it's a constant back and forth and juggle, but I feel like our team, um, our social team and our creative team um, and our marketing teams, they all work so well together. And what's, what's really fantastic and one of the things we look at in hiring is making sure everyone understands the brand and what our goals are so that everyone is in alignment um, and, and, and everyone's bringing their amazing ideas and their personality into it. Um, but they all are, are a big part of like what we do and, and how we think. And I think that helps us to, to stay consistent with it. So let's talk about influencers a little bit. This is Tribe after all, yep. right? So we probably should talk about that a little bit now that we're, you know, 40 minutes in. <laughs> you guys have <laughs> but, a tool, uh, right? So a, talk to me about kind of your, you know, approach there. Obviously, authenticity, transparency, those mm-hmm. elements um, play a b- really big role. But from a just a tactical perspective, you know, how many do you work with? Do you like... Do you work with paid creators? Do you not work with paid creators? Do they get involved in the product creation process? Mm-hmm. Um, tell me a little bit about that. Just like size, scope, approach, all those things. Yeah. So we've definitely, um, we use Tribe a lot. I mean, Tribe is a big part of our, our influencer and our social strategy and our meetings. We use, you know, the metrics that, that, that we get from the tool, uh, from the platform. Um, and we, it's grown a couple ways. As I mentioned, we've, we're seeding products really early on. And, and so a big part of it, uh, retention, and, and you guys now have that retention metric, um, but retention yeah. is, bi- is big for us because we're building relationships um, that we want to last for a very long time, um, you know, and pass the brand and, and, and want to get to know these amazing influencers and creators and because they've got really good stories to tell. And, and that's, that's going to help us um, as people more than just products and help us as people. So we really want to retain in any way possible. Um, as the team's grown, we've been able to increase the number of influencers that we work with and that we talk with day in and day out and that we see products. So um, that's been a big piece to it. Um, the brand's growth overall is is tied to that. And then the other areas of marketing we do. So as the, everything's just sort of grown together. Um, and so we see pretty consistent numbers across from our EMV to our sales to our followings to our databases, these, they all sort of line up um, and they can just continue to grow at kind of the same pace. Um, and, and, but a big part of it is just been able to learn. Uh, we've gotten better at, uh, as we, as we bring new influencers into our uh, group and that, and we're most of the time just sending products out, um, but just getting yep. to know them and sending them products or sending them uh, some new clothing or merch that we're working on. Um, seeing the consistency and the cadence within how they post about the brand helps us. Um, and, and it's not about following for us. It never has been. 
Um, it's just about the consistency, the cadence, and then we see the EMV metrics from there and the EMV continues to grow. So as we grow our team and we grow our outreach um, and we, we build those relationships, it just keeps happening. And is that all, is it all in-house as of right now? Everything's in-house, yeah. So we do all of our social, influencer, creative, almost everything we do is in-house. We outsource very few things. Um, a couple of photographers and a couple of uh, uh, great video um, you know, editors that we've worked with uh, here and there. But a lot of the photography we do in-house too, we have a pretty big creative team. Um, all the graphics, all the, yeah, everything's in-house. That's really been our goal is, is to build a, almost a, we have basically, the goal has been to build like a creative agency in-house. Um, and we have a couple people from agency um, and we're gonna continue to do that. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's really hard, like, you know, putting myself in the shoes of an agency, representing a bunch of different brands. It's hard to have like passion for every brand that you work with. Exactly. Even if you like, kind of like each one a little bit, you know, you're just not, it's just not the same. And I think from an observation perspective, we just look at brands like you guys or Glow Recipe or these others that are growing really quickly and it's just consistent. It's mm -hmm. always in house. Um, whether it's the influencer side, the social side, the creative side, um, I think it's just, it's just really hard to have that passion. Yeah. Um, cause again, you know, when you choose to work somewhere, you're choosing to work there for a reason, presumably. Um, and that's because you believe in what they're doing versus if you choose to work at an agency, that's not necessarily the case. Mm -hmm. Um, like, so yeah, it's not, not surprising to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. No, we've, uh, we've really enjoyed it. And yeah, we're, like I said earlier, we're trying to build these relation long-term relationships and you just can't do that if it's not in-house. Uh, you want, you know, we want to, uh, be the direct relationship. We want to be able to meet even Greg and I directly meet a lot of the influencers and creators that we work with. Um, whether that's opportunities at the office when we're at the office or going to events, things like that. So um, it's really important for us. It gives us a good feel for the brand and, and what they're doing. Is that is that part of the reason that you guys opened the office in LA? Just because that's where a lot of the creators were or was there um, other reasons? Was it investors? No, no, it was, uh, so Greg lives in LA. I live here in the Bay Area. Yep. Um, and as with the brand, brand built, we, uh, as we hired a couple people, we hired them at, uh, in, uh, they actually, to work in Greg and uh, Jamie's Greg's wife, who also works uh, for Youth of People. She's our director of people and culture and strategy. And started out a couple, our, our gra first graphic designer, then our social manager in the in that loft there. And then as we built it, we're, it we really were like, LA is where we wanna be um, for just many different reasons, but it's where we wanted the brand to be. So moved from a loft to a WeWork, to a temporary office, to our permanent office we're in now. Um, and with that office, we actually put a storefront in the front piece of it. That's it's on. It's in the Arts District of LA, uh, which is basically downtown, just on the edge of downtown. Um, so having our storefront as well, we got to test that a little bit out during the holidays. Um, Going to evolve that over the next few years is if, if, once we open the store back up. Um, but yeah, LA just for us made a ton of sense, and the brand really has a lot of. Even though we're both born in the Bay Area, it has a lot of LA. Uh, in it. And, and as we really built it out, Greg was already living in LA. So it was for us, it just made a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, I think it's, you got the secondary benefit of that's where most of the creators are. So exactly. that definitely worked out. Yeah. And that worked out <laughs> as well. Yes. Yes. Do you guys involve them at all in the product creation process? Like, do you, or like what's, so when you're thinking about, okay, we launched three new products this year, 
you know, what's your process for kind of deciding what to create? Is it community driven? Is it influencer driven? Is it kind of a mix of everything? Um, it always starts internally with us. Uh, we're watching what the community say, says uh, within social, within reviews, all these different areas to see, like, are there any very obvious requests that we're just missing? Um, but a lot of it starts internally. Uh, Greg and I um, are, are amazing uh, product development manager, Mercedes. She's a chemist. Um, so she very early on, she brings us a lot of fantastic ideas. Um, and then just, just things we see on the market and whether that's from wellness, whether that's things we're eating or drinking or a new uh, superfood that I, that we may be adding to, that I might be adding to our, my morning smoothie, whatever that is, um, you know, we're looking at, we're looking for ingredients uh, that, that are making a difference for us. And then meeting with a lot of different um, ingredients, manufacturers on the cosmetic, cosmetic science side, whether that's going to ingredient shows um, for inspiration or going to, um, to other beauty shows for inspiration and, and looking for the things that we want to add into our product line. Um, as we've gotten a little bit bigger within the line, now we're starting to get more focused on, okay, we've got a lot of these areas covered, cleansing, hydration, um, you know, exfoliation, these areas we have covered, what are other areas we want to work on? And so we're starting to look at that, be a little bit more specific in the next products we do. And then from there, that's also driving us to find new superfoods or, or, or cosmetic science ingredients that will help specifically for those skin concerns. Um, so, and then creators and influencers, not too much yet. It's something we're starting to do more of. Um, we want to bring them a little bit, we want to bring them into our product development process earlier. Um, to get their feedback, get their uh, review of the product before it's totally final, because you know they, they do bring such great, great opinions and great experience. We just <laughs> to this date haven't been totally able to, like enough uh, product development time. It takes six, a couple of years from like the idea of a product to launching it. Um, it's a, it's a pretty long process for us because we're just very particular. Yeah, it's uh, well, you guys are doing something right, so it's working well. <laughs> so just keep doing it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think we've just seen, it's been interesting. I mean, we did, I've talked about this in other episodes, but you know, we did a survey where we asked the influencers like, Hey, what do you want to see in the market? And the two things they came up with were clean products and a wider set of shade range foundations. Sure. And this is pre Fenty. And those are the two things that have just exploded over right. the last couple of years, two, three years. And so they represent this interesting kind of, uh, group in that they have tried more products than any consumer mm -hmm. in the world, kind of like you guys. Um, and, you know, they are, uh, if you create something that they're really digging, um, they're very likely to support it right. afterwards. And so they've got a lot of both, like you said, expertise, and then if they like it, the ability to amplify it potentially. Absolutely. Which is interesting. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So let's do one quick end of the show. So I think we'll be trying to be respectful of your time. Okay. Um, one quick end of the show question. Um, and this is mostly, it might be just for me, um, <laughs> just cause as I was doing my research, I was like wanting to know. So what kind of music does Greg do? Okay. And do you like it? Yes, I like it. I'll start with that for sure. Okay. Um, okay. And, and, and so it's very, he's, he's, he's sort of, uh, the genres have changed. Um, okay. uh, which has been great as, you know, as we all, as we all grow up, you know, get older, we, we change the, you know, our, our taste. So that's been fun. Um, so right now it's, it, it's, it's within the house, it's house music, but it's, it's, it's really, uh, 
I, I, I would be, he's he'll probably killing because I won't say the proper term, but it's very like it's it's a it's a more mellow vibe, um, you know, just good trance. Maybe that's the right word. No, not trance. More, it's like house, but you're relaxing on an island. Okay, um, I like. But that. he's you know he's he's I mean he's played he played Coachella a couple years ago. Um, he's done. Uh, he's he's definitely had some you know DJ had some big things, but really more into music production than DJing specifically. But 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 great at both. So. Uh, yeah, we'll have to, uh, well, you know, we're definitely going to have to bring together. it back. I have a lot of questions yeah. Oh, yeah, about the Mets and music and all of these things. Yeah. Um, but thanks so much again, Joe, for taking the time out. Absolutely. Uh, we really appreciate it. I think everybody learned a lot today. Um, and I think there's a lot of people that, uh, hope to mimic what you guys have been able <laughs> to do over the last few years. So, um, so keep it going. We're big fans. And uh, thanks, everybody, for joining. Um, you know, make sure to let us know uh, who else you'd like to see out here, and we'll try to make it, make it happen. But thanks so much, Joe. We appreciate it. Thank you, Connor. Really appreciate it. Thanks, awesome. everybody. Hit subscribe now. Earned by Tribe Dynamics. Tribe Dynamics unlocks your social media influencer community. Our platform not only tracks and measures your best influencer relationships, but discovers new influencers to grow your business through earned media. Get started with a demo today at TribeDynamics.com. TribeDynamics.com.